this is Sarah Ann Minkin with the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm here with Allison Carmel from Hamla, the Arab Center for the Advancement of Social Media. We are so glad to support Hamla's work. The Foundation for Middle East Peace is proud to support Hamla's work. And Allison, I'm so grateful that you could join us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Sarah Ann and the Foundation for Middle East Peace. Can you tell us about Hamla's work? What do you do? Yes, so Hamla is a Palestinian nonprofit focused on protecting the digital rights of Palestinians or human rights of Palestinians in the online space. It was established in 2013 around the time of the Arab Spring and in response to um, the new enhanced ability Palestinians had to communicate with each other and communicate with the world, but then also later became an important rights-based organization as people started to have to grapple with the way that their human rights were being increasingly violated online. Um, so over the years, Hama's work has um, included trainings of digital security and digital campaigning, um, as well as research and advocacy work uh, directed towards states and companies uh, with regular visits now to the United Nations Human Rights Council, um, the Internet Governance Forum. We work directly with companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter in advocacy work. Um, and we work to raise awareness about how Palestinian rights are being violated online and also how this connects to global digital rights issues that are happening all over the world. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Can you tell us about Palestinian digital rights? How are they under threat? Well, Palestinian digital rights are under threat um, on, from a number of directions. You have at three governments in which most Palestinians are falling under Israel, the Palestinian Authority, and Hamas. And then you have international tech companies, which are also violating Palestinians' rights, particularly in this region, uh, Facebook, Google, PayPal, um, and a lot of our work focuses on both these companies and these states. Okay. Um, I, think, I think if we just go back a little bit to help people understand a little more about what digital rights is, maybe that would be helpful. That would be terrific, please. Yeah, so digital rights kind of come um, online and come to the world in 2001 um, with civil society and the Association for Progressive Communications, which now we're a network member of. Um, starting to look at what would be an internet rights charter. And then by 2003, the United Nations adopted the Charter for Human Rights and the Internet, reaffirming that digital rights are human rights. So these are rights like the right to access the internet, the right to non-discriminatory governance of the internet, um, the right to freedom of expression, the right to freedom of religion and belief, the right to privacy, the right to data, education, access to information. There's 20, um, there's 20 main rights and they're available in more than 20 languages. So if people want to know more, they can always look online for the internet rights and principles. Right. Um, but it was this global movement that also helped Palestinians identify and articulate what was happening to them online. And when it comes to Palestine, there's really too many violations to discuss in this short podcast. Okay. So I'll try to keep it short. Okay. <laughs> but you can start just with right to access the internet and how the Palestinian ICT infrastructure in the West Bank and Gaza is entirely controlled by Israel. And I'm not just saying this um, in some grandiose terms, but it's a part of the Oslo Accords that stipulates 
that Israel, who's been controlling ICT since 67, um, should slowly return that control to the Palestinians, but has maintained it until today. Okay. So this has caused severe violations of privacy um, and access, um, access to technologies, lack of access to technologies and de-development de of Palestinian economy, as, not, as well as many other rights. Great, thank you, Allison. That was, a, that was uh, clarifying. Can you tell us more about the violation of Palestinian digital rights? What other ways are there are rights being violated? Yeah, so actually a lot of the violations also involve uh, technology or surveillance companies. Um, for example, in the case of Google Maps, um, the state of Palestine is not recognized on the map, even though Palestine has been recognized um, by the United Nations and by hundreds of states throughout the world. And having Jerusalem also recognized as Israel on the map is another way that it's contrary to international law. Um, instead, tech companies like Google are kind of preaching a kind of internationalism and trying to show us that they're non-biased. For example, saying that uh, recently when we requested that they distinguish the difference between settlements and Palestinian towns on the map, they said, if it's there, they're gonna map it. But at mm -hmm. the same time, they haven't put the wall on the map because they say they have insufficient data to reflect such things. Mm. So, you know, it, it's surprising, like if you dig a bit, you find with the tech companies also that there is uh, discrimination, digital discrimination that's impacting Palestinians um, in particular. And when you look more broadly on the other side, you can look at Israeli companies particularly surveillance companies. Israel is the largest exporter of surveillance technology in the world. Um, and several of their companies have been sold to states known to violate uh, human rights. We can look at one case. Um, it's probably the best well-known right now about a company called NSO Group, um, who's recently been in the news for um, spying on human rights defenders, um, spying on journalists, including their technology was also used, you know, in, including in the death of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist um, who was killed in Istanbul. Um, and um, their technology is also recently was spread, um, their spyware was spread on WhatsApp um, and infected several human rights uh, defenders and journalists accounts. Um, and now even found recently um, in Jeff Bezos' telephone was used um, on the president of Amazon's telephone. So uh, the technology is supposed to be regulated by the states. Um, and Israel has continued to turn a blind eye um, to regulating these technology companies, even though they've been in the news recently time and again, um, and has even gone so far as to sue Facebook for freezing the accounts of the uh, owners of NSO Group, of the surveillance company, while they are in legal per, um, in legal pursuit together. So you can see that um, there's also a lawfare uh, situation that ha is developing, which is impacting global uh, people globally and digital rights globally. And though it's being developed here and tested here, uh, it's being sold all over the world. Right. So what's happening there is, is, has this, this, this uh, great impact all over the world. And your work, Hamla's work, if we were to go onto the website, you have uh, great reports and data that you have all gathered and analyzed about all of these 
about the tech companies and about the states and the different governments and, and uh, the ways in which these digital rights are being threatened. I, I wanted to ask you a specific question actually about your reports, which is that you uh, also use a gender lens in your analysis of Palestinian digital rights. Can you tell us why gender is an important factor? Oh yeah, um, sure. So at HamLab, we, you know, our mission is to make the internet safer for Palestinians, but it's to make it safer for everyone. If we do that, we'll do it for everyone. And if we're focused on everyone, we also need to look at the people who are most vulnerable. And we know that offline youth, women, and queer people face a lot of discrimination. So at Hamla, we decided to do special research into these um, you know, groups um, and to understand better um, how the experiences of youth, women, and queer people can tell us about what it is like to be vulnerable on the internet. Um, our research showed that two-thirds of young people are no longer expressing their political opinions in Palestine, for example, or that one-third of Palestinian women are subject to violence and harassment online. Mm -hmm. um, in a recent research about the queer community, we found that as the queer community used um, social media and the internet to, as their presence increased online, it also led to an increase in violence offline, including with violent statements from the government and, um, you know, sometimes even physical attacks within the society. Um, so we've just tried humbly, like, to take some steps forward with Palestinian researchers to look at these issues and then develop recommendations in some cases to respond, um, like developing gender-based violence, digital security, education materials and trainings that we hope can address some of these issues. Terrific. This is terrific. Thank you so much, Allison. So speaking of, speaking of your trainings, you have the Digital Activism Forum coming up. Can you tell us about that? Oh, yes. The Palestine Digital Activism Forum. It's coming up in just about a month from now. It'll be the 23rd through the 27th of March. Um, and it's a week-long event that brings together local and international journalists, activists, academics, policymakers, tech companies, um, and we discuss the policies and practices that are impacting digital rights uh, for the past four years. And last year we had 700 and this year we're expecting 1,000. So it definitely is our big annual event. Wow, excellent. How, how can we follow it from the U.S.? Can we follow it from the U.S.? Yes, of course. Um, we will be live broadcasting um, most of the major panels, which will be in Ramallah, Haifa, and Gaza online. Um, so you can see them um, on any of our social media pages, as well as on the website for the forum, which is www.pdaf.ps. Um, and also we'll, of course, be sharing things with you at the Foundation for Middle East Peace and with a number of other partners who have supported us. So we think probably um, there'll be a lot of um, coverage, we hope, of the events and ways for people to either um, watch or even join in some of the webinars. There will be a few webinars that will also take place on the fourth day. Excellent. Great. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for joining us today. Are, is, are there any last words, anything, any, any last ideas you want an American audience to know? Um, yeah, I mean, we touched on it a little bit before, but I guess I would just say it again that, you know, Palestine is really an important case because it's an example and it gives us a chance to learn about the impact um, of a lot of the surveillance technologies and a lot of discriminatory digital 
um, policies and practices um, by looking at the case of Palestine. And if we want to make sure that everyone's more safe and secure in the future, then we have to address these issues now together. So I do hope really that it will resonate with audiences in the US. There's a lot of power there in the US, especially because most of the companies are based there and because of the relationship between the United States and Israel. So I hope that our work can be an example for people to better understand human rights and digital rights issues and that it'll be an advocacy tool for them in their work globally. Excellent. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you to, to all of the team at Humla for your work. We are so proud to be your partners in this work. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sarah. And thank you to the Foundation for Middle East Peace. We very much appreciate your support.